So hello and welcome to the 37th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada. We discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Linus Killius. With me as always is Aaron Richardson. How's it going, Aaron? Good. How are you, Linus? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. That's good. So Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. I'm the head of business development with the real estate marketing company, Helmania. So advertising on the internet can be a daunting task. Frankly, most agents don't know where to start. Some might first look towards Google and advertising through AdSense, but is that really the best way to spend your money? Social media networks, particularly Facebook, has grown drastically over the past few years on the back of advertising revenue. As it turns out, Facebook is a great platform for generating leads and improving your exposure. How do you advertise on Facebook, and how do you most effectively spend your money to create those con- converted leads everyone so covets? Well, today we're going to be talking about paid advertising on Facebook and some strategies all agents should be implementing to get the most out of the so- this social media network. But first, there was some interesting news today that came out of Toronto. To curb the hot housing market in southern Ontario, the Ontario government has decided to institute quite a few new things. Sounds like they're going to be effective tomorrow. A 15% home purchasers tax by non-resident foreigners, similar to what was recently instituted in the Vancouver area. It's funny because I think they were saying when the Vancouver one came out that this was off the table, but now it's back on apparently. Yeah. This will apply to the Greater Golden Horseshoe, so it's not just Toronto and the GTA. So it's from Barrie to Waterloo and from Peterborough to Niagara. They've also decided to do several other things as well, and we're going to talk about a few of those here Uh, They talked about expanding existing rent control systems and standardizing lease documents to ease affordability for renters. They've decided to encourage building of more rental housing by offering a rebate of development cost to uh, sorry development cost charges to rent to developers. They've decided to ban assignment flipping, so that's pre-construction units selling by speculators. They've also decided to review rules governing the conduct of real estate agents in conjunction with RICO and ARIA. Specifically, what they mentioned was dual representation and potentially banning that out. I think this is more they're going to take a look into it and come up with a recommendation. Uh, But many other provinces outside of Ontario have already banned it or have altered how dual representation can be handled. So, Aaron, this is a lot to digest. What what are your initial thoughts with all of this? Uh, I don't know. It's... it's, uh... Uh, some of the measures, it seems reasonable. Other measures, you just don't want them to get involved in because as soon as they get involved, you know it, they can really mess it up. Even saying dual representation, that's an old term. I don't know where they're getting their information from. You know, uh, multiple representation is um, um, is the correct term. And so you, you wonder, you know, um, with the politicians and, and where they are getting and how how quickly they're getting the information. Um, the market seems like it's really adjusting itself on its own, which it typically does. So, um, you know, are they talking about something that was a four month, you know, back four months ago was an issue and, uh, and, and now it's not, not, it's not an issue anymore. And now they're going to implement these things and it could burst this bubble that, uh, that they don't want to do. So you got to be careful with all these things. And I'm a little nervous about that. Do you think a lot of this is because, hey, so we're not too far away from a provincial election and the Ontario Liberal government has, you know, almost like record low approval ratings. So maybe this is an attempt to try and curb that to a certain degree. 
No, I don't know if that's the case either. I mean, uh, there'll be a good population density that uh, kind of likes their price of their houses going up <laughs> right now, you know, taking advantage of uh, retiring and, and moving further north and, you know, being mortgage-free and moving farther north. I, you know, there's a lot of advantages uh, to, a, you know, on a higher market. We just, the unfortunate part is the affordability. We always think about our kids. So, you know, um, are they going to be able to afford homes? And uh, I don't think you should take a four-month blip in the market to make major decisions like this. I know there's a 33 or 30% increase year over year uh, for the last, you know, three, four months. Um, but if, if you're a real estate agent in the greater Toronto area right now, uh, we're talking a different talk today. We're talking about no multiples. My house, uh, the house we put up on the market didn't get any offers. Uh, prices are coming down. Um, people are starting to get nervous about, uh, about the fact that, you know, there's now 12,000 listings on the Toronto real estate board. That's healthy now or it's getting there. <laughs> um, we were at 4,000, you know, a month ago. So it's tripled the inventory in the last, you know, three weeks almost. So, kind of ironically, it seems like the timing out in Vancouver was fairly similar. Uh, there was mm -hmm. adjustments taking place as the fifteen percent uh, home purchasers tax out there got put in place, and a lot of people point and say, "Well, look what it did," and a lot of other people will say, "Well, it was doing that anyways." Um, right. So I guess maybe we can go over these a little bit point by point here. Let's talk about the fifteen percent home purchasers tax. Is foreign investment as much of an issue as everyone makes it to be? And is this going to make foreign investors look elsewhere? And maybe is this even a problem because foreign investment can be a good thing and it contributes to the GDP? Um, there was a very good report that was done uh, that says it's 5% of the market, which is a very small percentage. So would, would the market have been any different? Would it be 25% up instead of 30% up? I mean, that's what they're saying if you, you know, take out foreign investment completely. The unfortunate part is we as real estate agents keep saying foreign inv investment, and I've said this in the past, uh, it's not really foreign investment we're talking about. It's, uh, it is the investors and Typically in Ontario, a lot of the investors with a lot of money happen to be residents of Canada, but the money is coming from overseas. So it's actually uh, residents with money coming from other countries. You know, there's a different definition I think we have to look at. And maybe this is the case where it does affect such a small segment, it won't have a very major impact on everything, but it is something that they have to be, I guess the politicians feel like they have to be perceived to be doing something. And this is the easy, obvious thing, I guess, to do, since especially Vancouver's already implemented it as well. Well, I think the pressure to um, was put on the Liberal government to do something. So, and, and without causing any major up or shift in the market these are these are small things and are they going to affect the market well yeah in certain areas similar to Vancouver uh, the high-end uh, homes uh, start to get affected and some of the uh, investment areas but uh, in general sense they said you know the other areas were just typical market conditions and I think we talked about it when on a past episode when they did this in Vancouver as well you know, non-resident Canadians are not voters as well, right? So if you're going to put the pressure on someone, that's uh, an easy place to put it if you're a politician as well. Well, I got to tell you, the worst comment that this week was made from John Tory in Toronto, the mayor of Toronto, was saying that uh, it's our fault as real estate agents. We push the market up. And I mean, it's just the most ridiculous comment to make. It's uh, it actually makes them, you know, very sound very uninformed and and not knowledgeable about what real estate's about. Market price is what a buyer will pay. And we are there to work on behalf of our sellers. And uh, we do a good job for our sellers getting the best price. And 
And uh, but the market dictates market. We don't dictate market. Well, let's move on to the next point then, too. Well, I guess a couple points maybe together because it looks like they're trying to ease affordability for renters as well. So like I mentioned mm-hmm. before, they're talking about expanding rent control. So previously, rent control was only on buildings built prior to 1991. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, but now it's, yes, all, right. it's all buildings. And uh, rent increases will be tied to government-mandated inflation rates or uh, some sort of parameter, which was last year 1.5%. Um, yeah, well, and, that's, and that's been done in the past. That's, there's mm-hmm. nothing new there other than the 1991 prior to, right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, for those who are um, landlords too, you, you can apply for for exceptions to this in, in you know if you've got an argument there uh, and then also they're looking at encouraging building a more rental housing um, by uh, giving some incentives to developers as well so uh, we we're talking off camera do you think rental is, is an issue here I don't get it um, you know this is fairly new to me I always thought like I thought the uh, rental market was actually getting uh, more affordable in the markets that I deal in. So um, more rentals are on the market because of the speculation and the investors. Um, so now we're trying to curb investment, uh, which would um, actually bring the market to be less affordable because the more supply, obviously, um, the lesser price. So uh, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the, the issue is. I, I, I like some of the measures taken with the 1991 thing and all the rest of it. That's fine. I get that, you know. Um, but to say that we don't have enough affordable housing, I don't know if that's the case or not. Maybe it's and maybe it's on the affordable end of things. But um, as far as I know, in our area, we're, we're our, our, we've got so many rentals on the market right now, which is actually driving the rental price down. So, you know, I'm not sure where that is coming from. Well, and again, too, with um, foreign investments, say, like there's also the, the vacancy tax they're talking about putting in as well. You think that Which will increase the number yeah. of rental units, too, because people yeah. aren't going to want to keep their, their properties vacant any longer. It's just a, as an investment. So, Yeah. Well, and, that's, and that makes sense. We don't want to see houses uh, vacant and uh, overgrown, and it affects, the, you know, affects, our, affects our neighborhoods. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, then um, the next point was the banning of assignment flipping as well. Um, do you think this is a good thing? What, what are your speculations on this and how is that going to affect things? Well, that could, that could really affect the condo market. Um, you know, there was driven by a lot of, you know, the condo market might be affected the most in all of this because uh, I do see a lot of, I'm going to say foreign investments or just speculators, investors um, with the condo market. It was such a, popular thing, not popular, it was, it was such a benefit for, for an investor to be able to um, sell what he's purchased prior to completion of the project. Um, there are, um, and there are other people that aren't, aren't doing it for the money. They're, you know, you've bought something, it's gone up in price, you know, I've got other ways that you want to invest and you should be able to sell off your um, your purchase um, prior to close if somebody wants to buy it. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to sort of go on... Um, record is saying, I don't know if that's such a good thing or not. Uh, I, I kind of, I think you, if you purchase something and you want to resell it, I think you should be okay with doing it. And the, the condo, uh, or the developers are already putting or have already put measures into place of how many times you can flip it, or if you can flip it at all or the costs associated. So I'd sort of leave that up to the market as well. I don't, I don't know if I'd touch that one. Yeah, you mentioned but, that this could be an issue for just your average homeowner looking to get mm-hmm. out of their, 
their potential, you know, um, pre-construction purchase already. Because some of these, you know, pre-construction units, they'll be five years before they're built type thing. Like with delays and everything too, could even be longer. That's a long right. time to have your money potentially tied up. I know it's only a deposit and such, but you might want to get out of that. Situations for everyone can change in that amount of time too. Well, somebody can lose their job. Somebody got a different uh, situation in their life where they need the money or uh, situations in their life where, you know, you no longer can afford the mortgage when it comes to close. So, you know, we're five years ago, you're in a great position. So um, being able to turn it around and flip it, I think you should be able to do that. Like name, name anything that, you know, name a certain type of investment where you purchase it or buy into it there where, you know, somebody can just take it away from you three years later just because, you know, you can't resell it. I mean, I sh you should be able to do that, I think. Yeah, and I, and I guess we don't know the details of this yet, too, so no. maybe it's a little bit premature to speculate. Maybe there's a, some sort of time limit, so, you know, after, like, having it for a year, you're, you're free to to flip it or whatnot. I'm sure there must be some sort of restrictions on it. It seems like it'd be a little bit uh, naive to, to ban it outright. Well, I got to tell you what they have to do, and this is stuff that hasn't been talked about, and this includes flipping, investors, capital gains tax, Stop the loopholes. It's ridiculous <laughs> right now what people are getting away with when it comes to their tax uh, tax implications for flipping. Um, and it's the same thing in the mortgage industry. Um, you know, all these investors are getting mortgages through not the right means. And I know this happens. And we're, we've put a stop to it uh, a few times when we when we see it within our own brokerage. And we see some, you know, uh, some buyers getting approved for things that they shouldn't be approved for. And finding out the mortgage brokers are not doing the proper documentation or for, uh, forging documentation to get people approved. And I think that's a rampant problem right now in certain communities, and uh, they really have to look at that. But it's not the big one that's taking hold of the media right now, and that's, that's no, always the issue, but it right? will. I'll, I'll put it down and right, right. That will come to light, and that will that is going to be a major problem because I, I believe that there are there's a lot of that going on. Well, you've heard it here first. <laughs> there you go. And then the uh, final bit, too, that they were talking about was reviewing the governing of conduct of real estate agents in conjunction with both RICO and ORIA, uh, specifically the whole dual representation, multiple representation agreements, yeah. uh, or sorry, not agreements, but dual representation, multiple yeah. representation situations that can arise. Um, obviously, this came to um, the, the general public's attention, what it was, it maybe six months ago or so when CBC did a bit of an expose on a few agents that were you know, not being the most forthcoming with their yeah. dual representation. So what do you think about this? I mean, a lot of other provinces already have a lot higher restriction on these situations than we do in Ontario. Yeah. Well, we have internal measures uh, within our brokerage to deal with that. Um, I'm not saying all brokerages have it, but when you do have a situation where you're representing more than one person in a transaction and it's a multiple offer scenario, we always tell our agents that it's our policy to have somebody else represent, or I say represent, to um, negotiate on behalf. Now, I shouldn't even say negotiate on behalf because, um, put it this way, they they look after that end of things because um, when you're talking multiple representation, the negotiation part has sort of been taken out from the rules. You, you should not be negotiating. You should be letting both sides decide what they want to do themselves. Um, however, you know, having two people separately not knowing what the others what other uh, offers and what's happening on the you know uh, on, with the other offers uh, you know does eliminate that uh, opportunity for somebody to do something unethical um, so 
yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that there should be within Rico's guidelines some something done with regards to registration of offers and um, multiple offer scenarios. Um, we currently don't have anything that mandates how those are done. So, you know, we should maybe look at some of that stuff. Um, I, you know, I hate to say it. I just, I just hope it's not the government that looks at it because they're not real estate agents. They don't quite understand what's happening in the industry. So that's where I'm a little nervous as to who's going to make these rules. And that includes Rico. You know, a lot of Rico is not uh, industry um, personnel that sort of knows what's happening. Yeah, one thing to, I guess, make you sleep a little better at night, too, they're just saying they're reviewing the rules. It's not like they've made any decisions no. at this point. So I, I for sure hope that there's going to be a lot of consultation. It's done in conjunction with RICO and ORIA. So um, you'd imagine there's going to be a lot of consultation with real estate agents and as well as boards coming along through that, this process. Hopefully. Okay. So that's what news has come out of Toronto recently. Um, yeah. let's, let's move into our main segment. I mean, I guess that kind of was most of our main segments. So maybe we'll just briefly go through the Facebook stuff we're going to talk about. Sure. Um, so Aaron, a lot of people know about Google. Like, is Facebook a better place to spend your money? Uh, I, it's overwhelming now. I mean, I've, I've talked about it for years in terms of what I've found as Facebook is uh, much more targeted. There are certain things that Google can do um, in terms of home evaluations and things that look for people look for on Google. Uh, but for the most part, uh, uh, Facebook's really taken over the market when it comes to identifying certain demographics and really knowing, uh, I mean, the, the metrics involved with uh, Facebook right now is just incredible the stuff that they know about people, which is kind of scary in a way. But uh, uh, knowing what they know and being able to say, I want to target somebody who um, is considering selling their house and Facebook already knows where that demographic is pretty impressive. Yeah, well, the fact that they can you, you can have your your activity monitored and they know everything you like, yeah. they know your age, you, they know if you're like in a relationship to all these things that you, you select on Facebook, don't really think about it. Right, and with your status and, and even just putting your updates in, uh, Facebook obviously creates a profile on each person, and they can use this for yeah. essentially selling to advertisers. I mean, it's all anonymous. It's not like they're selling your information and saying, you know, Aaron Richardson is this old and this and and, and such. But they can use it to target ads towards Aaron if they're looking for someone in his age demographic with his specific interests. Um, and that's well, that's powerful for us too, though, as advertisers looking to target certain demographics. It's not like you're you're putting in an ad that's going to be seen by like a 15-year-old with no purchasing power. You you can specifically target for whatever, you know, demographic you're specifically looking for. And I, I mean yeah, I, I the demographics that we're talking about um, used to be just oh, I want to, you know, uh, somebody between the ages of 20 and 30 who live in this area um, that might like you know, certain you know, like cooking or something like that. But they've really expanded this. And I don't know if you know this, Lonnie, so I just found out the other day, uh, the four top. And now I can't, I know it's, um, I know it's Google, Facebook. Um, I'm going to speculate and say it's probably Amazon, probably um, maybe Twitter, Pinterest, something like that. But the four, the, four of the top companies um, with space online have gotten together and they're doing a shared pool of information. So now that it's cross-platformed. So now not only will Facebook know how old you are and you know all this kind of stuff, but they're taking the information from Google as well and sharing it with everybody. So they know everything. If you're online at all, 
they know that you've been recently looking at purchasing printers or, you know, or you've been recently on realtor.ca looking for houses you're more potential to buy, or you've been, you know, recently searching for agents uh, to do home evaluations or whatever. So it's really power, powerful stuff for us. So tinfoil hat sailors are going to go through <laughs> the roof after this episode, I guess. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I I didn't even know that too. I was going to say yeah. that that Google generally, when you advertise there, they do have demographics and such you can target, but it is it isn't quite as uh, pinpoint as Facebook. Uh, Google can tell a lot of like location, search history, that kind of thing, but Facebook Facebook has a really good way of getting your interests and stuff uh, really nailed down very specifically too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're advertising on Facebook. Do you need to be active in social media to get the benefit there? Because a lot of people say, well, you know, you can't just pay social media for to have a good social media presence. You have to be involved in the in the network to get the big, biggest benefit out of it. So can you, it, it, without even having a Facebook account, well, I mean, you obviously need a Facebook account, but without having an active one, get the best, get the most out of yeah, it. You- you need to have a Facebook account and you need to have a, a, I don't even know what I call it anymore, but a business page, a place page, a page, right? So you have to have one of those um, uh, pages in order to do advertising, but you no longer need to be active on Facebook. And in fact, to be active on Facebook is really just good for your sphere of influence, the people that know you. Um, the other side of Facebook is all the paid analytics metrics stuff. And that is what's extremely powerful right now. Um, and so you can go on there and uh, spend $50 this month and reach targeted people that would consider using you as a real estate agent for different reasons. So, um, and you need to have, you, you know, it's getting pretty technical, so you need to have some knowledge with regards to sort of that demographic metrics, landing pages, what to say uh, to get people to click, and then, uh, you know, converting the lead. So there is a whole lead generation aspect of that business, but it is powerful. So is that what your ultimate advertising goal should be? Just trying to get landing page conversions, like people coming to a landing page and, and getting their lead information that way? Or is there other benefits to Facebook advertising as well? Maybe you're looking for likes or, or page views or maybe just branding. Is- yeah. The, the, the experts are that likes mean nothing anymore. I mean, it used to be that you go on there and get as many likes as possible. Therefore, you can market to people through just uh, you don't have to pay for the advertising. But Facebook's really put a lot of stop to that. Uh, before, when you like something and uh, or you posted something, if people like it, it gets out to thousands of people because it just becomes a little viral. But they've put an end to that. I don't know if you've posted anything lately and you've got 200 views would be great. You know, usually it would get 58 or 100 or something like that views. It used to be thousands, but... Now you have to boost the post. You have to um, pay for the advertising in order to really reach the uh, the uh, the audience. So that's the next question I have too. It's a perfect segue. Um, what is the best way? Because there are multiple ways you can advertise on Facebook. You can boost posts. You can just pay for ad space. You can do you can do promotional posts. Like, what's the best way to go about advertising on Facebook? Is it just simply boosting mm-hmm. posts that you that you're putting up there with landing page links on them? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way is boosting your post. You 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 have a post there. You think that it's a good one. Like I just listed one, two, three Main Street. And I want to get it to as many people as possible. And then you just bring them to your virtual tour site. So it's a bit of a branding thing. Hopefully they interact with you, want to see the property. Um, so that's the easiest way. And you just boost posts to a certain area, certain demographic in terms of age. Um, and it'll just have the basic metrics. Um, so that's where I'd start. Um, but if you really want to get into the um, really targeted... Um, you know, 10% type conversion rate, um, 
you're going to need to get into the Facebook advertising and managing campaigns. Yeah, well, boosting posts is certainly the easiest way. Any post mm -hmm. that you post will have a little boost post button. And as Aaron was mentioning before, uh, getting people to like your post or just posting something doesn't mean it's going to go to all your followers. Um, Facebook's got a proprietary algorithm that determines who gets to see any posts that you make. And, right. you know, only a small percentage of the people that have liked your page or followed your business page are going to be able to see those posts. But as soon as you hit that boost post button, you can start getting guaranteed reach. And Facebook's smart because they knew they knew this. And, that, and I guess that's probably why they implemented it. So people would would pay money to make sure that you can get more of that guaranteed reach to your followers, but also, you know, friends of followers and just the general mm -hmm. public as well, um, which is another thing, too, because you can target who you want to look at there too and maybe your followers aren't the people that you want to send it to you want to make sure it goes out to the general public not your necessarily your sphere of influence depending what it is yes and you and it's, it's really good i mean really there, there's i'm looking to target somebody within york region which is the area your york region that's looking to buy uh within the next six months um and excluding real estate agents you know there's ways to do that so you, you can really pinpoint and not have to spend money on people that you don't want to, like, you don't put it this way in our local paper. If we advertise as a real estate agent, it's, it's just going to the real estate agents. Well, we, the other agents, the only ones that seem to care about who's posting stuff in the paper and stuff like that anymore. Um, but you're paying for a full demographics of people and you know, I 98% of them don't care. Well, here's where you're going to be able to go to, let's say, uh, a population where 60% do care, right? So you're really able to to spend some money in the right areas. And it, it doesn't have to be a lot of money either, right? So you can change. Yeah, so it, it's really effective. What we've really seen over the past decade or so is the shift towards advertising becoming a lot more efficient. And a lot of people are you know, very nervous about some of the stuff we talked about saying, well, Facebook and Google, they know pretty much everything about you. They probably know more about you than maybe your wife, right? Like a lot of cases yeah. too. And that that might seem like a scary thing, but really now they can target you with ads that are relevant to you and things that make sense for you to see. So you're not going on and seeing ads about, um, I don't know, like widgets when you're not interested in widgets, right? They're only showing you, you know, uh, maybe like houses and things if you're if that's what you've been searching around for, houses for sale and such. And that can be a good thing because it's, it's improving the advertising that you're seeing there instead of like watching TV and watching the same ad over and over again and getting kind of annoyed. Well, I get, I get annoyed. All the YouTube videos now, the advertising, it comes up every 30 seconds. It's getting pretty ridiculous. And you just got to think though, that, that that advertising is tailored to you. So whatever you're seeing it is, is yes. what Google thinks that you should see, Aaron. So I know. You, know, you probably shouldn't tell anybody what you're seeing there because it might tell some about what you've been I'm getting all this Dora the Explorer stuff. And, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can my kids on, you know, watching all these videos for kids shows and stuff, right? I so know they, that feeling. I think it's me that's seeing it. I know that feeling on Netflix too. All the recommended shows are all kid shows. I'm sitting there being like, I actually want some adult shows here recommended for myself too. But uh, I guess that's just the nature of having kids and browsing for stuff for them online. But hey, I guess it works. So you you actually had a meeting with a, a social media consultant. Mm -hmm. a I learned ago. lots. Yeah, learned so, lots of stuff from the social media consultant. And you know what? I'd, I'd suggest even... The people that think they know everything should still try and get as much. And they, I think everybody knows this now. The information changes daily. So anytime you get an opportunity to pick a, somebody else's brain um, to see what they're doing and, and help us with our business is amazing. So is there anything that you glean from that that you might want to talk yeah. about before we close the show? 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of tips and tricks, right? Yeah. So stuff that the um, that they've really honed. All the stuff I was talking about before I was doing, right? I was doing the metrics, but I didn't realize how powerful the metrics are. So there's some stuff in there that he, uh, you know, targeted uh, reach and uh, little neat things. Here's one, um, you know, when you are doing a, uh, a Facebook campaign, let it run at the least amount for seven days. So $5 a day for seven days. After seven days, Facebook actually figures it out as to who is the best targeted market and then they hone it. So you'll actually see a huge spike after seven days of conversion rates because they figured it out now. Um, so they say, you know, spend $5 for seven days and then after seven days, then you ramp it up to 20 bucks a day or whatever you wanna do to do the lifetime of the uh, the, the campaign. And little things like that, I guess you'd have to be a social media consultant almost to know. And yeah. one thing I do wanna caution listeners to, especially if maybe it's a year from now and you're listening to this episode, like things change pretty fast. Yeah. So you gotta be careful. A lot, a lot of you know techniques and tips that may have worked a year ago may be completely invalid now. So these are the kinds of things you gotta make sure you stay Absolutely. up on, um, and kind of keep your knowledge fresh, or else uh, things may change. Like yeah, I could it, just see it. Somebody calling me. You told me the seven days <laughs> rule and all this kind of stuff, and and uh, and it's like 2019 now, and. Uh, <laughs> It's a completely different algorithm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, great point, actually. Yeah. yeah. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, I do notice um, a lot of people who are pitching. You know, the big the big snake oil thing is people come pitching SEO and how they can like fix your SEO. I get spammy yeah. about it all the time. But a lot of people will say things that may have been valid ten years ago, but they'll actually hurt, end up hurting you these days. That's right. Get you, like blacklisted and such by Google, and there's nothing worse than that happening. So just, I should yeah. mention I, sh I should mention something that uh, uh, Century 21 is implementing that everybody needs to be aware of and start to use is the realtor rating system because mm -hmm. when you're talking about anything online ratings where it's at and uh, we have a great system now in place that's uh, coming out uh, that just make sure that you do get on that um, it should be an automated system but I think the more you interact with it and the more that you um, you know let your cust customer know that, that this rating is going to come out and they get them to rate you uh, the more ratings you're going to have more leads. For sure. And we talked about that actually in depth in a couple episodes ago. So feel free mm. to check that out on Realtor Ratings. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think this is probably a good place to close off the show. We've had a longer than usual one yeah. because we have so much news to go over. Uh, maybe we'll kind of rehash it a little bit again, some of that news that we went over after uh, a little bit of the more like a formal uh, details have been put in place. Um, yeah. But for now... Let's close off the show. So if you like the show, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on some of those sites because it really helps. You can watch this and past shows at spotlight.centertoyone.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A.com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. They provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, 3D mapping virtual tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that will help sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. So find out why so many top agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Thanks for listening. Aaron, thanks again. Thanks, Linus. Everybody. Take care. Bye.